example of the Beast of Buckingham Palace by David Williams, illustrated by Tony Ross. Britain, the year is 2120, 100 years in the future. The kingdom is dark. Britain has not seen sunlight for 50 years. The government has been overthrown. And once again the king rides the kingdom, rules the kingdom from the Buckingham Palace, still home to the royal family, is now also a fortress. No one can get in or out. There are these are the characters in the story. Prince Alfred is a sickly boy of twelve who never known life outside Buckingham Palace. The king was once a great ruler and a kind father, but now he's lost. As is his kingdom, the queen is an impossible boss lady, who is much loved by her son. She and Alfred have an unbreakable bond. Lord Proctor is a learning man who began his royal career forty years ago. The palace library. He has risen to become king's closest advisor, for yearn, but yearns for more power. Might is a homeless orphan from outside. The outside. She is called because of a small side. Her parents are killed when she is toddler, and since then she had to fend for herself. Nanny is a woman. Lady in the eighties, who in a job was looked after two generations of royal children. She cared for the king when he was a boy and is now the nanny to Prince Alfred. The old queen is an elderly lady who was queen when she when her husband was king. Now she is deemed to be a traitor. And is living so, somewhere in exile, though no one knows where except her, of course. Lady Elgogreth and Lady Enid are two of the old ladies, old queens, ladies in waiting. As ladies in waiting, they perform various duties for the great old queen, such as tending for dresses, carrying bouquets of flowers, and typing letters. Now they are, they too live in exile, with four other ladies in waiting: Lady Beatrix, Lady Virginia, Lady Daphne, and Lady Judith. The royal guards are elite soldiers in gold skull masks and flowing red robes. They are armed with laser guns and their mission is to protect the palace at all costs. The executor is a giant of a man. His face is covered by a black hood. He is in charge of all the torture and its executions at the Tower of London. The Octobot is an eight-armed robot which is meant to perform the same task as a human butler. The all-seeing eye is a flying robot that assembles a giant eye. It's under the control of law protector, protector, so he can monitor anyone, everyone, everything in Buckingham Palace. Prologue. The griffin is the king of the beasts. It is half eagle, half the king of the birds, and half lion, the king of the animals. The head and wings are those of an eagle, while the body and back legs are those of a lion. For centuries, the beasts have been thought of as a kind of legend. Early civilizations worshipped a griffin. It can be found in stories from both ancient Europe, Egypt, ancient Greece. 
In the medieval times, this half-eagle, half-lion became a symbol of godlike power, a power of over life and death, a power to create and destroy the universe, infinite power for all eternity. The sight of griffin would inspire terror as the heart of all men. That is why the beasts are used as symbols for centuries by kings and queens. Griffins can be seen on coats of arms, flags and shields. A measure is simple. Kneel or you will suffer a terrible fate to the claws of this beast. It looks a little like a dinosaur. Those terrifying creatures that stalked the earth millions of years ago. However, I like dinosaurs. No one's ever found a skeleton one. But that hasn't that doesn't mean that a griffin that a, what that a griffin never lived. Oh one day might not live again. Part one The Coming of the Beast Chapter one Dark It was new and the sky was black. There was darkness over the kingdom for half a century. For many years before the people of the earth had not taken care of their home. They burnt down all the forest, reducing every last one to ash. They had pumped the rivers, lakes and seas full of waste, killing all the fish. They had dug deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper underground for oil until the planet was hollow in its core, to its core. Eventually the earth took its revenge. The ice caps of the Antic and the Antarctic melted. The floods were so mighty the whole countries became submerged under water. One earthquake shook entire cities to the ground. They, all that were left behind were piles and piles of rubble. It, it, volcanoes erupted, pumping billions of tons of ash in the air. Without sunlight, the crops withered and died. Nothing would grow. The kingdom was flooded in eternal winter. It was the world, only world Alfred knew. He was already twelve years old, but he had never, ever seen sunlight. Often he dreamed how it might have been to feel, must have been to feel the sun on your face, or run through a field of tall grass, or swim in a sunlit sea. But it was just that, a dream. Boy, I see pictures of sun in books, and marvelled at it. Perfect circle of gold, now the moon and stars had become invisible too. Alfred would spend hours and hours imagining how the night sky must have looked up. Looked with a thousand little lights, twinkling through the darkness. He was a, one of those children who liked nothing more than being alone with his imagination. In truth, he had little choice, having been sickly his whole life. Soon after he was born, he became ill. A baby, Alfred, had been expected to survive, not been expected to survive, but survive he did. Just. A child was a pale as snow and thin as dust. He wore thick glasses to aid his support on eyesight. Often Alfred got, was so weak he'd have to stay in bed all day. Thank goodness all around his bed were piles and piles of books, 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 and more books. Books about animals, books about space, books about trees, books about dinosaurs, books about books, books about history were his absolute favourite. The trouble is, was that there was a strict curfew in the building where Alfred lived. Night was almost was the most dangerous time. That was when there was most chance of an attack from the outside. Lights had to be out. At eight o'clock sharp, by order of the king, anyone caught with lights on would be severely punished. Punishments are brutal in the kingdom. 
Those in power had returned to the medieval forms of torture. The thumbscrew, the iron maiden, the breaking wheel, the pyre, the rack, the scald's bridle, the rat's dungeon, the head crusher, the iron chair. Despite the strict rules, the boy loved his books so much he would carry on reading by candlelight under his covers. The night our story begins. Alfred was just doing that. He was reading a weighty leather-bound book about kings and queens of Britain through the ages. The first known one was Alfred the Great. He had become ruler of an impossibly long time ago. In 871, the boy was named after that first king. But it was hard to believe anyone would ever describe that. This Alfred as great, he felt anything but as a boy who was devouring the story of the beheading of King Charles first in sixteen forty nine, a deafening sound rocked the room. Kaboom! Alfred dropped his book, thud, and in his candle, he needed, it very nearly set the covers alight. Woof! Smothering the flames and blowing the candle out, whoosh! He pulled down his bed covers, whip! A huge explosion outside eliminated the boy's bedroom and glow, with glowing red, orange and yellow light. Alfred slid out of bed and using all his strength limped over to his huge bay window. Just those few steps left him painfully out of breath. Hew, hew, hew. He leaned on the window frame to steady himself. Alfred's bedroom was high up on the tower floor. From here he could see far across to London. A building was ablaze. But not just any building, St. Paul's Cathedral. This historic structure, perhaps one of the most famous in the world, had been destroyed. Its huge white dome cracked, as if there's nothing more than an egg. Huge plumes of black smoke billowed high in the air. Oh no, thought Alfred. Not St. Paul's. He has seen many London landmarks destroyed. Over the years, Nelson Collins had toppled to the ground. Crunch, and an eye plunged into the River Thames. Splash! The Royal Albert Hall roof had caved in after a bomb blasted it to pieces. Boom! Heaven, none of these was the sacred symbols. This was a new low. The cathedral had been built of the Great Flood of Fire of London in 1666. Glorious structure had miraculously survived the blitz. The Nazi bombs rained on London during World War Two, but now it's burning to the ground. Alfred's next thought was revolutionaries. This had a hallmark of one of their attacks. A boy had never met anyone from this top secret organization. The law protector had taught him much about them. From what Alfred had been told, the revolutionaries hated the fact that power returned to the king. They wanted to overthrow him and behead him, just like the roundheads had done to Charles I during the English Civil War. The revolutionaries stood only for death and destruction. That's why the Lord Protector said they needed to be crushed at all costs. Rat, tat, tat. There was a burst of machine gun fire. No! Distant sound of shouts. Ah! That was a scream. Alfred shivered. As much as he wanted to look away, he couldn't. Every day there were attacks all over London. But explosions on this scale were rare. The boy pressed his hand against the cold, thick glass, and looked out in the devastation. This was the king that Alfred would one day inherit. Chapter 2 Lionheart Alfred was as far from an ornery twelve-year-old boy as you can imagine. Inside, he felt ornery, 
but he had been told time and time again by grown-ups that he was anything but. Alfred was not just plain old Alfred, he was Prince Alfred. His father was the king. One day himself would be crowned king. King Alfred II, ruler of Britain and, and all its people. A strange thing was, he, he would come king of the kingdom he had never foot, set foot in. Not once had he been outside Buckingham Palace. The boy's face would often be glimpsed as it could often be glimpsed at his bedroom window, a very top of the building, just above his window. A flag flew in the wall of the palace for hundreds of years, been a Union Jack, the red, white and blue United Kingdom. Now a very different flag flew, one that Lord Protector himself had instigated the black flag of a golden griffin in centre. This was a symbol of a new order of things. Britain had no government, no prime minister or politicians representing the people. It also had no police force. Instead, the king's personal army, the royal guards, enforced the rule of law. Buckingham Palace has been home to the British royal family for centuries, since the time of George III. From his history books, Alfred had learned there had been a royal residence back, way back in 1761. A palace used to be a century. Now it was a fortress. Members of the royal guard were stationed all along the perimeter wall. The soldiers were instantly recognisable by their long, flowing red robes, hoods, and horrifying gold skull masks. On their arms they wore black bands with golden griffin on the centre. Just like on the flag, despite looking almost medieval, the royal guards were armed with laser guns. Just one sap was enough to blast someone into revelation. Oblivion. These soldiers guarded those who lived inside Buckingham Palace. A palace had seen better days. The carpets were worn and wallpaper was peeling off the walls. But it was still a special place. A prince's bedroom was furnished, furnished by only antiques. Antiques. He slept on the floor post of bed in silk pyjamas, though the bed creaked and pyjamas that had holes in them. A palace kitchen was stocked with every dish imaginable, as long as it came out of a tin. There were food stocks that last a hundred years or more. Alfred was safe inside the place. Palace? Oh, so he thought. Boy pressed his face over the, closer to the window at the domed roof of St. Peter Paul's Cathedral Kate caved in. Despite the horror, Alfred couldn't look away. Then, in an instant, he became distracted. There was a commotion in the corridor. He heard a struggle and shouts just beyond his bedroom door. Take your filthy hands off me. How dare you? I am your queen. It was his mother's voice, as far as he could. Fast as he could, which wasn't very fast, Alfred went across his bedroom and opened the door. The Queen, being held roughly by two members of the Royal Guard, they are meant to protect the Royal Family, so why were they dragging her along as if she, she was a criminal? They were strange times, but this was the strangest time of all. Ma! cried Alfred after her. The Queen was wearing her long laced nightdress and one slipper, even though she was still being... Even though she was being manhandled, she was trying to maintain her sense of dignity. This was a lady who prided herself on never having her hair out of place. Alfred had not seen his mother without her hair perfectly liquored in a do, and her face painted with makeup. Right now, her, 
her do was unraveling unraveling fast. Instead of making her face was covered with thick night cream, she looked to sight. Alfred idolised his mother, and it was weird seeing her like this. Alfred! She shouted out over her shoulder, struggling with the soldiers to make them stop. Because their faces were hidden behind gold skull masks, you must have guessed what they were thinking. The royal guards remained silent throughout. They were added to the sense that this was a, a nightmare. Ma, where are they taking you? demanded Alfred. Back, get back inside your room, Alfred. Unlock the door, she shouted back. But now, and promise me you'll stay there. Boy did not reply. Promise, he pleaded. I promise, he mumbled. Shot at what he just witnessed, Alfred retreated and slammed his bedroom door shut. Shroom! He stood dead still, unable to move. It was as if he was more underwater. That made, that too made it feel like being a nightmare. But this is no nightmare. This was really happening. As to, as if to prove that tears welled in the boy's eyes and streamed down in his face. As if to prove that, wet tears welled down in the boy's eyes and streamed down his face. His mother, who he loved more than anyone, being dragged away in the night, he was helpless to stop it. Alfred looked through his, round his bedroom. There were silver-framed photographs of everyone, her everywhere. Here she was reading bedtime, in bedtime story. There she was pushing him on the rocking walls. Here she was helping him draw a picture. There was all. There was. There she was playing with a train set. Here she was painting like his face like a lion. There she was helping him blow out all the candles on a birthday cake. Here she was giving him a teddy bear. In each picture, the young boy was basking in a glow of love. In one of the photographs, Alfred was dressed up in a suit of armor as Richard the Lionheart. Richard the First was a career king from the twelfth century. Who led the crusade to the far-off lands? Alfred picked up the statue and studied it. Lionheart. That was his mother's pet name for him. Tears welled in his eyes. He was always felt unworthy of that name. He felt nothing like a hero, having been ill all his life. Alfred was used to being a object of pity. Sometimes he even pinched himself. Tears ran down his cheeks. He felt helpless to stop his mother being dragged away by the world gods. Other important people had mysteriously disappeared in the night over the years. The Prime Minister, the Chief of Police, the Head of the Army. Even Alfred's grandmother had suffered the same fate. Lionheart, his mum's voice calling him that name, circled around and around in his mind. Lionheart, Lionheart was, had been a mighty warrior. Alfred needed some... On some of his great, 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 ancestor spirit. Do something, anything. Lionheart, he said out loud, and despite what he had promised his mother, he opened his bedroom door. Cree.